If it ain't sexualised, it's not worth airing. Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton. With me today is Andy. Hi, hi, hi. Duncan. Hello. And Jeff. Yellow. We are here to talk about comfiness and positivity in post-apocalyptic or apocalyptic anime settings. And then after the break, we will be talking about uh, the Dragon Maid shorts, which are kind of a taster for the next season of Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid coming out. We'll be talking about uh, Yokohama, Yokohama Kaidashi Kiko. But for now, Duncan, explain this topic and why you put it on our list. As um, we've been living a, uh, a slow-rolling uh, world event for the past year, my mind can't help but, but sort of... Which one's that? Wonder Brexit? Two. Yeah. <laughs> So as the as the world burns around us, as the uh, world burns, <laughs> I've kind of like pondered this weird subgenre of Japanese um, post-apocalyptic fiction where there's a strange line of positivity running through it, and I s- kind of come to the conclusion that if you're going to live under the shadow of a volcano, your attitude to d- disasters is probably shaped by a question of not if but when and if you have that sort of cultural acceptance into these cataclysmic events that's going to change the nature of your post-apocalyptic fiction that these events are not full stops in the story of this planet and the this cultures but commas along the way um it's a apocalypse not the apocalypse um and i I think it kind of stands in contrast to western fiction where it's an apocalypse is often used as an excuse to wipe the slate clean like the archetypal great flood cleansing of the world whereas i think there's a emphasis not on what is lost but what is retained in a lot of these fictions that the everyday rhythm of human life persisting even as the world around it turns into strange and unusual shapes i i don't know if me saying positivity was the correct word or not but it's kind of more (laughs) um an acceptance and moving past these events. We're going to talk about the, I think, the show which inspired it, um, uh, Yokohama Kadachi Kiko, a bit more later. But what has really brought it to my um, mind recently was um, I rewatched um, Ponyo, which is a a Ghibli film which has a decidedly open-ended um, disaster to it. It, it. In this film, this child of a sea wizard and a sort of elemental sea witch, which sea goddess, goes on a little mermaid journey because she wants to be with her first love, uh, uh, a little boy who, yeah, who, who rescued her. And in the process, basically... He, causes the tides of the oceans to rise to gigantic levels and subsume huge chunks of uh, the landscape and it ends with them being it being resolved that they're gonna uh, live together now but there's never any like implication that that tide's going down and that's a really strange thing to have for a, a children's film that the world has j- just been turned into this waterscape where the towns they knew, they knew and they we see them driving through and people who live there uh, that's just gone now that that it's just this waterscape and i don't think you could ever have a, a western fantasy film end in such a a way where it hasn't returned to the norm where you've just got people all sort of 
adapting calmly to this new norm and like it's 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 very strange to, to find that in a children's film but that was also the case with um weathering with you right i haven't seen that so oh well weathering with you they they definitely the idea was that there was a god that could grant the sun on a perpetual reign and then um it was very clear that well you know kind of fucked themselves because the sun goddess was not willing to sacrifice herself and that was just constantly raining, and it did get to the point where most of Tokyo was just dr- drowned by water. Um, and that was quite interesting in and of itself. Uh, despite the fact that the film I thought had a lot of flaws. Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not Makoto Shinkai's best. It is interesting, though, that like the upshot of, of Weather With You is just like, fuck climate change, just find someone to love. I feel like it's more that he picked that out of a out of a exhaustion for bittersweet endings as opposed to uh really wanting to like have something to say about how like it's gonna rain and we're all gonna drown someday um but it is i do think that a lot of it is all tied to this whole like shikata kanai like attitude like nothing to be done can't be helped like if if the world ends shikata kanai just (laughs) just time to time to time to build a new house or move to some place that's not underwater and just keep living your life as best you can with the resources you have I think that they're often it's often domestic fantasies that we see being acted out uh, in in what I would think of as like either positive or at least like peaceful post-apocalyptic settings. I mean, even Girls Last Tour, which I think is like at the very outer fringes of this list, is just about like two people having a road trip. and It just happens to be having a road trip through the blasted remains of a completely dead human civilization or not completely dead. There's like 10 people alive. Yeah, yeah there's been a... a... Like in the in the isekai genre this season as well, there's been a big emphasis on you know returning to a slow life and you know getting away from you know the, the hustle and bustle of Tokyo or modern life in general. And I think that is as much of a motivator for like positive post-apocalypse fiction because you know there's that quote you know it's easier to end the imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism. <laughs> and so we imagine the end of the world, and hey, we have a life worth living all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I mean, even to actually kind of go back onto what you mentioned about, uh, being inspired by Yokohama Kaidashi Kiko, which I think stands for like Yokohama shopping list or something. Shopping trip or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Shopping trip. Um, like she still runs this cafe that no one ever goes to. She ends up drinking most of the coffee herself. This Android who's left in charge of a, of this like nice seaside cafe. Mm-hmm. And it's not like it's not what you would think would be what the stories we expect to hear about about uh, running a cafe, especially running a cafe with no customers. Instead, mm. it's a relief that there are no customers. It's a relief that she can spend all this time making, you know, hand roasting the coffee, hand grinding it, making it herself out of traditional inst- implements and then just sitting by the window putting five spoonfuls of sugar into it, which I assume <laughs> is related to her being a robot, because otherwise I can't imagine having a tiny... Yeah, that, 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 that part of the, the, the OVA where it's, it's basically just a day where she does nothing but grind, the, cook the beans, overcook the beans more to the point, just gets observed, it just, just gets, falls into the, the rhythm of doing that thing and forgets about whatever else is going on, keeps doing it, and then ends just sitting down, so like staring out the window. I th- yeah. one, one thing I, I wanted to bring up about uh, YKK was that um, the sort of absence of Alpha's owner, how that sort of instigates the first set of OVAs and how what he has left her is like the instigating event of the second set because he's left her running this, this, this coffee bar uh, just in the mid by the by the seaside and she, like they we have no idea how long he's been gone for because all we get is is uh, some years ago and and like her relation her memory of him is just as vague like we have no idea what he looks like he's just the owner and like using that phrase is is interesting because it doesn't just refer to the cafe it refers to how she sees herself to him like she is, he's both her owner and the owner of the, the the cafe, and that's why it's her job. She has to stay there. She has to look after this thing. It's it's what her her the person who is her her 
uh, reason for being has told her to do. And like over that first series and even more so over that second, we see her encouraged by given this camera uh, and encouraged by a message from the owner to go out and explore the world and capture memories of it. And I think that that's uh, an interesting idea of like replacing and finding new purpose. Like she's essentially been given this camera and, and told by the owner, like replace me basically, like go out and find yourself a, a, a new purpose in life. And I think like that's a very um, relevant um, thing to post-apocalyptic tales, and, and maybe slightly pushes back against what what Jeff was saying in terms of like um, capitalism remaining, because like she's she's imagining a, a world where she isn't defined by her job. Like her, her job was who she was, and now it's not necessarily as as much so. And I, I was more getting at, you know, the, the apocalypse has made owning and running a coffee bar into the, you know, the kind of job where it would be great because you don't have to deal with any customers. You can just uh, do, yeah. you can just do the nice parts and then not have to worry about, you know, you're not even, not even your owner is there anymore. You're not, your boss is gone. He's just this <laughs> like distant memory who occasionally sends you a camera with, a, with yeah. an eyeball in it that you just kind of like gloss over and it's like oh that's kind of weird <laughs> and and where androids give each other messages with incredibly chaste kisses which, mm-hmm. which was like that like it's it's weird how little um at least in the first ova how little um any of the, the women are sexualized which is is never is is it's a silly thing to have to state but not a foregone conclusion in anime unfortunately. yeah um but yeah so so I, I do think that there are a lot of shows that kind of tap into the into the Yokohama Kaidashi Kiko sort of feel. Like I watching it, I was I was really struck by how it kind of feels like Nia under seven by way of Battle Angel Alita. Like there is a lot of just kind of like businesses don't work in the same way that we understand them. People kind of just work their jobs often without any work and then have this like leisure and free time. The idea that what we would consider to be a lot of the signs of civilized society, like like there's no road noise in either Neon to Seven or uh, YKK. Like there's like one car <laughs> that everybody in the community kind of shares with each other, um, and there's one gas station that where the guy mostly just seems to sleep out in front of it um, because who needs gas? There is this idea of like not necessarily rejection of technology, but accepting that technology is no longer adequate for the situation, and we see all these examples of just people kind of working on barter or favor systems. It is interesting to, to, to see it in action and see, see kind of a vision of a different kind of society. And especially one that doesn't focus on the apocalypse, which I think is like the nature of Western Western post-apocalypse is like the whole, like who killed the world from a, from a Mad Max Fury road is not really a question that, that many post-apocalyptic Japanese works ever encounter even more explicitly apocalyptic ones like desert punk slash Tsunabozu were like the Kanto region's now a massive desert mercenaries are just fighting each other all the time we don't know why this happened there's no nukes there's no yeah yeah there's um, in, a, in western fiction the apocalypse is something that we did to ourselves whereas yeah in this it's more like the apocalypse is something that happens to you and there might be a little bit of historical revisionism in there as to like you know why it happened to you but it's it's not something that was like done by your own hand and you know as with you know, nuclear fire and just like the current hell world of you know dealing with the market you know <laughs> in neither of those cases like the japanese can't really uh claim you know can't really think that you know it, it will be because of their actions i would think that's true just in general with like japanese history a lot of the sort of people who aren't like shogunates or in that lead and just so like what i guess you consider serfs like they they generally have a shit life and they generally are like like wrapped with ruin and wrapped with famine and wrapped with starvation wrapped with all these kind of shit things so really like the idea that there's nothing that they can do about their apocalypse and it's not due to them and it's due to something like nature or something else it's kind of 
but like their history. If that makes sense. Like look at Hiroshima. Like that's not their fault that you know America decided to drop a nuke on them. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I was, was going to say like the, the one part which um, does push it against my my thing is um, genre or, of um, uh, post nuclear fit fiction where things like Akira reside which do obviously blame man for what we have got into Um, but I I do think Ben's right that on the whole Japanese uh, um, speculative fiction does like a natural disaster more than it does um, a man-made one and even in one even in shows where there is an explicit natural not natural disaster human-made disaster there isn't really the idea that like oh thank god now we can all live out our power fantasies of being badasses there's no Mm -hmm. the walking dead and even and even like more congruent stuff like high school of the dead or i am i am a hero or these sort of things like there isn't the idea that the end of the world is going to finally let you be the awesome badass that you always thought you were going to be. It's, it's, as we said before, it's generally more like, Oh God, thank God I can take that vacation. I've, I've been wanting to for so long. Are you referring to the high school of the dead vacation, Ben? That's what I think you're referring to. <laughs> no, I'm not, please. <laughs> <Delete this. laughs> so has anybody seen I, I've, I've heard of this show but i've never actually seen it uh gakko no gakko uh gurashi oh. also known as school live yeah i think john watched it i also watched a few episodes where they flip over the fact that you feel like it's a normal school day but then it turns out that actually it's a zombie apocalypse and uh everybody's a zombie apart from these like four girls yeah i've seen an episode why what about it? it is it good is it good is so it's is it just kind of like non non biori, but like instead of like idyllic, you know, verdant <laughs> backgrounds, there's just like hell world? I mean, that's certainly the first episode. I didn't watch anything past that. Like the first episode, it was very much non non biori, and then it 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 flipped your, their shit on you, and you're just like, whoa, that's a that's intense. This isn't the healing anime, but it didn't stick in your memory clearly. <laughs> okay, well, um, let's go ahead and broaden out the different kind of shows that participate in this. Uh, I think one that needs to be mentioned is Humanity Has Declined, where we don't even know what kind of disaster has happened. Like, humanity is just no longer the dominant species. It's these fairies who have who have incredible powers um, and a completely different kind of perception of reality. Um, but there is it is a, a very nice story of kind of sifting through the detritus of the world now ended and deciding what to keep, Mm. uh, what to repurpose and what to leave behind, which is kind of in parallel to uh, Watashi, the main character, the unnamed main character um, who used to be a really shitty person. We don't know because it's being told largely in reverse chronology, but she used to be a really shitty person before, before the apocalypse happened. And now she's like nice and patient. Uh, She's, she has found a better version of herself by the world ending I think that's probably another really big standout for for positivity in post-apocalyptic anime. Another another show which um, shares that interest in people picking up on small aspects of of society, things which were unimportant, like printing um, doujins, for instance. Oh, I love the doujin episode for that. It's so funny. And, becomes this massive industry. Yeah, and and just like re- redefining what is important. And uh, Kino's Journey is a anime which sits in a, a strange, undefined apocalypse as well. And what seems something happened, and now everyone has just buckled down and created single theme countries. It's like, like we're the we're, we're the we're the the country which is all about. Um, and guns now, which is normally the way of things in Kino. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's every anime, that's every post-apocalyptic nation in modern media. We stopped farming and started just using guns for everything. And like, I think Kino's is 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 kind of a, a vague apocalypse, partly because it just gives them room to tell stories. Like, it doesn't matter what what happened it's just what people are doing now and i th- i think like that's that's an interesting thing in that 
when there's no one, as you were saying, there's no one to blame. It's just okay. This is the the one thing we 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 are obsessed with now. It's it's books. It's it's a voting system that people are forced to go by. And if they don't, if they lose, they die. Fucking extreme. <laughs> uh, yeah, Kino's journey is very is very weird because I think it is actually more of more of what we consider the Western fixation on the post-apocalyptic as a way to like reveal the true nature of humanity. Um, it's very much about holding a mirror up to the pre-apocalyptic society as opposed to trying to show, trying to like, I guess, dissect the baggage that we can be rid of with a, with a, with a, a new world, so to speak. Yeah. I think that's kind of also what we see, what we see with Haibane Renmei, which again, I hesitate to call, call positive because it's a very sad anime mm. but it is about a bunch of people reflecting back on their lives especially the things that made them made them experience pain and fear and other negative emotions and deciding what how to what extent those are like an integral part of their their being and their perception of the world and what parts are imparted by society and something that they're better off without yeah the one of the others I was going to bring up was L- Land of the Lustrous, where mm. it's it's that it's almost that to a to a, a incredible degree, where like humanity is so far removed from the entities who are are running about out out in its world, where the the, the world gets hit by six comets, and then you just have humanity devolving into these three separate species who all represent different parts of um how humans exist like the 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 flesh the the bone and the the soul and they use that as a opportunity to just to just say okay there's this one person who's sort of a holdout from from what came before and he basically has defined the world for these new creatures and it has basically reconformed to how how we consider the world to be these these creatures who have no gender no sex dressing up in in dresses and uh, uh, uh getting excited about um how their hairstyle should be and it's 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 interesting like how one person can be like the seed from which a new society is is created um i i was going to ask and andy about uh, one uh show which you and i both enjoyed which what is uh kimono friends fuck i forgot about that yeah that is that is end of the world that is that is end of the park uh shit <laughs> <laughs> Do 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 you consider the, the world to be gone in that or not? I I do. I I basically think it's, it's how that how they remember the world is is important. Like that that all these little mascot girls who are who just aren't actually the animals which which they are supposed to be. Who are just like the memory of this animal. Oh, it, that animal was like this, this, this fox, and so of course it loved loved digging and had big ears and and like it's just that these these just happy mascots going around populating this place and there being actually no wildlife, just the, that. And also the fact that I guess like you look at Kabanchan, the titular character, and she is reborn, uh, presumably because she is the last human in existence. Uh, and then was reborn from this crystal. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of empty, like, law stuff which insinuates that yeah, she is the last human to exist, and she's not even a human that was born of like a paternal family or anything. She's literally just born because her soul passed a crystal or some yeah. shit. It's been a while since I've watched that anime. <laughs> Losing the deep, the deep Kimono Friends lore. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good pull. I didn't think of Kimono Friends. To be honest, my, um, my feelings was about Girls Last Tour, actually, which I do love. I adore Girls Last Tour a lot. I think it's a pretty stellar anime, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which may or may not, kind of destroy itself at the end where you got what are those fucking like things in Moomins, the fritty tartars or whatever they are. They just sort of like come in at like a super submarine and be like, everything's destroyed. You're the last people alive. Oh well. Magical nuclear mushrooms. 
That's Guys, what they are, Andy. It is. It felt like that. It's been a while since I've actually looked at it or like thought about anime. Um, apart from when I, I've been reading Delicious in Dungeon, which is also slightly post-apocalyptic as well, in a weird way. Insofar as any fan, even so, insofar as any fantasy setting imagines a blank slate, it's post-apocalyptic. But yeah, I don't think that's exactly what we're talking about here. I mean, unless unless you're like an old-fashioned army. Uh, after the bombs have dropped, fighting a cold war that's that doesn't seem to be ever going to end, like in Sound of the Sky. Yeah, it's kind of a stretch. <laughs> I've only I've only I've only gotten about halfway through it. I hear tell like I've seen one gif that implies that things are going to go badly Someone. south for everybody involved, <laughs> but it's just a you know dramatically under provisioned uh, squad of five cute girls who have a broken battle tank and are charged with defending the border from some unknown enemy from, you know, from the no man's land, which, you know, every time they see it, it's just, you know, bombed out, you know, urban sprawl. And, but for the well, most part, it's did just you like the tomato festival. That was the real <laughs> highlight. Well, that, there's like the juice festival where they like celebrate, you know, you know, it's like, oh, there was like five maiden, like shrine maidens who like saved us from a demon and they like held on to the burning head of a of a demon for a, for a year while mm. the people of the town threw uh, water on them. And then and then they were saved. And then there's like strong <laughs> implications that it's like, oh, this is probably like some kind of prophecy for what's going to happen in the show, because there's lots of imagery of like these maidens also being the girls in the show. And it's like, OK, I see something's going to happen here. But for the most part, it's just their daily life of there might be, you know, right. they're, they're living in a, uh, a school uh, and it is implied that like, oh, it's like this is a school. There's no schools <laughs> this big, even back at the Capitol. And it, but it just like looks like a normal high school. And, you know, it's, you know, it's very heavily implied that, you know, the world is like mostly, you know, depopulated. The oceans are dead. The, you know, anything beyond the borders of this like town, which is just called six is like uninhabitable. And they are just sort of going through the motions of like, they're given a, you know, they're given a mission and their commander just calls it a field trip because it's like, you're going to go out and find these three listing posts. We don't know how they work. And if they're broken, there's nothing we can do about them. But <laughs> we want you to go out and do that anyways. It, ca- it came from command, which is one guy in a motorcycle comes and he's like, hey, I got orders. That's how yeah. that's how they do it. Yeah. And then he just like hangs out back at the back of the base with a bottle of wine. <laughs> and, you know, and it's just them like going through the countryside, playing in a creek, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get some berries and then you know, it's carving their name on this like ancient uh, piece of like technology that nobody understands and then go going home. And it's like, it's, it's a, it's, it's a very weird vibe for the, for the show. And I'm like, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes and if it's just going to be a big, like, fuck you for getting invested in this at the end. When like, I don't think, I don't think it's as, <laughs> as manipulative as that, but I do think that it comes from a, a, a fairly like, tight sub sub genre this is this is great navel gazing of like surprise this this like peaceful setting is actually like post-apocalyptic like i'm thinking of scrapped princess duncan as as also just like oh this 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 scrappy little princess no pun intended is like on the run from like an evil kingdom oh no wait they're like in a weird human zoo run by like meat machines after the war sorry spoiled like from episode 16 on <laughs> if you haven't watched scrap princess you should watch scrap princess let my let my spoiler gall you to watch scrap princess it's got a, it got a good blu-ray i mean that sounds also sort of like the um same feeling as uh christ uh i want to say neverwinter wonderland but it's not that name of the anime promise neverland dead man wonderland almost promised Neverland. promised neverland that's it <laughs> Yeah, where they're like, humanity's put in farms. But that is very much not chilled or relaxing at all. That's very much like, we're all fucked. You're fucked. You're going to die and turn into alien juice for aliens. <laughs> I don't think the first... I think the first season is actually kind of day-to-day. It's... it's, it's um, the, the actions they go through are, are kind of of just learning stuff and and living their life around this this school it's only these little glimpses you get it's not constant conflict and like it's like having to maintain that that composure knowing that secret is is, is the the tension it's like 
they know the truth of the world, but they have to act like things are normal. There is definitely a cosmic terror that exists uh, outside of like these normal kids' lives. Yeah, it kind of shades into like a lot of the the like no one remembers the the cataclysm shades into like the innocence of childhood. Like the the adults won't explain to me what happened. This is just a big a big playground. It's not a burned out building. It's not a not the like the buried wreckage of a car from from a nuke. No. Not two people playing the piano on a submerged city block. <laughs> yeah, we can't evoke Evan. Like Evangelion is not possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's people making do after after a, a dramatic cataclysm, but it's very. I mean, there. Although, who who knows what happens in three point four three point one? I mean, I mean, so a lot of people do. A lot of Japanese people do. Apparently, because okay, it's, it's, it's a bestseller. Uh, us Americans, though, I was going to bring up though, like the apocalypse happened and the world moved on and we only gradually realized it. This actually reminds me of Turn A Gundam where like you start out and there's just people from the moon and they're really technologically advanced and the world itself is like World War One. And then when they start digging up robots from the Black Mountain uh, with, with the black history and all this like idea that the knowledge was deliberately suppressed so that we could get a second chance at history. And we apparently just mm. developed another, another like early 20th century like militant nation state bullshit that we had in the early 20th century. There is this interesting, like, I do think that the return to pastoralism, a lot of, a lot of the better anime that have that as a, if they're not deliberately being healing, like Yokohama, uh, Kaidashi, Kiko, like they will imply that like, Oh, if we, if we revert to like, you know, agrarian pastoralism, then all the structures can just start again, kind of, Battlestar Galactica, like all of this has happened before, and all this yeah. will happen again. And even with complex systems, there's there are easily repeatable outcomes. And so I think that kind of divides. A lot of times, these positive works do have that pessimism underlying them. But this is a, just a brief respite from the modern world that we will we will recommit all of our mistakes. Um, and survival is only, no matter what happens. Survival is really the only goal that's that's worth worth keeping up. I mean, is that what you think? the messages are trying to be for these post-apocalyptic animes. It's just sort of like history, like humans are doomed to repeat themselves from history. Is I think sometimes, sort of like... they, I think sometimes that is the, that mm. is the message. I don't think all the time. Like, I don't think that's the, the message for like YKK, as I said, I don't think that's the, me- I don't think that's the message for, it's not the message for a lot of the more healing anime, but I do think that Sora Nawoto at least is very invested in like reducing us to the ignorance of children does not, give us does not absolve us from the uh, mistakes that humanity made as adults sort of thing um there is there is there are shows that value very highly the innocence of childhood but i do think that i often enjoy the ones that interrogated a bit more aggressively um yeah there's um from the new world is one show where you start off with a, a group of kids who are very innocent and don't really understand how they've come to be living such an idyllic life and it basically starts out as almost a utopia and ends up as okay this was actually a dystopia and like that's definitely a a kind of story which gets told um and i think that sort of loss of innocence like proper uh, paradise lost stuff Mm. is 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 definitely uh, a trope which gets done occasionally, but I, I do think like this that that's slightly on the edge of 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 this more um, contemplative stuff, which is more more about an individual than a society. And I, I think like um, I've, I've I can't remember like where I heard it, but I remember someone sort of. Def- Defining like so hard hard sci-fi about ideas and just sort of space opera and soft fantasy about characters and I think a lot of of this is more rooted in in uh, investigation of uh, how a person is rather than how a society is, which is interesting because I do think that like a lot of times uh, in at least American uh, media like the post-apocalypse is the, is the individualist fantasy that like, once you're completely self-reliant, you'll be so much more self-reliant than other people. You'll be Rick Grimes or Mad Max. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I do think that like, 
taking a apocalypse as a chance for a personal reckoning with yourself, not for a reckoning of the relationship between yourself and the world around you is a good point. Anime often goes in that direction. And yet there is also shows that lie in the face of pretty much everything we've just talked about, uh, like Japan mm-hmm. Sinks 2020, uh, which takes place shortly after, you know, uh, an event which, you know, Japan sinks. You know, there's some kind of geological event where the plate that Japan is on, you know, begins lowering into the sea, uh, causing, you know, horrific earthquakes and flooding and disaster. But the through line of the show is how the society that existed was worth saving, uh, that the families and the structures are not, you know, when when that mirror is held up to it, like Ben was saying earlier, it is mostly complimentary. You know, the you know it doesn't immediately fall into everybody being at each other's throats. You know, there are communities of survivors who are doing outreach, who are welcoming each other, who are helping people. It's not just like everybody goes crazy and starts you know going out for themselves. The climax of the show is the you know the family that the show is following upload you know it's like it's, it's kind of a dumb like sci-fi conceit where they like you know somebody has compiled this database of like japan's culture and history and they want to save it by like uploading it to something and so you know the end of the show gets to be them running from the literal ocean trying to envelop them while, while they like try to plug a thing into a computer but the upshot of that is you know they accomplish this and they're able to you know rebuild their society as it existed before it's you know it's not an excuse you know for a new beginning it is a way to hold on to the past and that that is a thing worth doing which you know for a show that is like pretty explicitly post-apocalyptic like for the you know there is you know it's not like you know like like a a disaster movie so much as it is like a Mm post-apocalypse but you know it is rooted in the idea that like what we have now is worth saving even if it's not perfect yeah, that's interesting because like um like like okay has this um this, this theme of taking photographs of, of recording and chronicling um how the world is around you and and the, the people and society that you exist in and then it's interesting that japan sinks is kind of like all all in on that idea about that saying uh, saying we were here is is something worth doing yeah, I I wasn't gonna wasn't gonna think that I was gonna find a way to fit this in, but I kind of wanted to bring up Mahoromatic as a really out of left field <laughs> example, where it is at like uh. this robot's been decommissioned by the war and she decides to become a maid for the son of the general who she failed to protect. And at the end of every episode is just like a countdown until her power core runs down and she's dead forever. And so there is definitely this idea of like, even though like the worst and the best are behind you. And even though you have this, these handful of days that you can spend with somebody, you can still like still accomplish something worthwhile in that time. It's a bit more, bit more hard bitten than YKK and it's in its outlook of what, what we owe to ourselves and our society in the aftermath of a disaster. Um, is unfortunately very porny, but I love the idea that at the end of every single episode, uh, it's just like days until Mahoromatic is deactivated 33 days and then every day every episode just goes down by however many days have passed it's a nice it's a nice apocalypse it's a nice personal apocalypse there which i don't know personal apocalypse is definitely going against the spirit of this although although i will ask is it duncan how would you feel about me bringing up eccentric family the idea that there that there is this the, the, the idea that i that there is this tanuki there's this tanuki society that has been destroyed by American society and now lives within it as the survivors of a, of a cultural apocalypse. I'd say Pom Poco would be a better well, I think example. I think they're both, they're both pulling on the same thing. Like they, mm. they are all survivors who are now at best yeah. dependent on, on the people who engineered the end of Tanuki society. Um, yeah. Like that, that idea of a cultural apocalypse is, 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 it's interesting, like the whole thing in the eccentric family of, of the family motto, and like living your life in a way which st- still ups- upholds the the ideals of of that your people have have stood for is is kind of interesting. Yeah. Within, especially if you frame it within, like, okay, this this once was how everything was, and now it's just in isolation, and no one is 
that isn't being propped up by just um, uh, momentum. It's, it actually has to be actively preserved by them. Right, right. It's it. It is, I think, a better exploration of what uh, of what Golden Kamui ended up trying to do in its last season, its latest season of like preserving these dying societies against the inevitability that they will. Well, I mean, sure, characters in the show pretend that they will be able to to fight back against the imperialist colonization of of the Siberian East and the like that section of of Northeast Asia. Uh, but there is like this idea that it's inevitable; it's going to be destroyed, and so it's about finding what parts of the culture you can save and building a new life separate um, from the ways that were destroyed by the onrush of imperialism, colonialism, and capitalism. Mm. But I think that yeah. I think the eccentric family handles it very well because these are these communities that are just living as enclaves inside a greater society that has no idea they exist and would be would be hostile to them existing if it if if they knew as we find out by the the dinner club what's it called the thursday club the tuesday club friday club friday club <laughs> almost it's the friday fellows oh yes precise. Price. Yeah, right. it's, it's, it's alliterative <laughs> um so how about miyazaki and ghibli in post-apocalypse beyond ponyo because i think that nausicaa is the one that springs to my mind but we also have yeah, like I mean, we also have like uh, Princess Mononoke with the idea that the forest is being destroyed and that this is a dying way of life too. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure how com- comfortable I am about folding in the kind of uh, precursor s- society mm-hmm. Iwans. Like that's that's such a a common trope because you can always say this is what came before and you can set those those things however you want to support this point you're making in your story yeah. and so i think it, it's it's a, a lot more dif- difficult when what is being what your sort of initial conditions for the past are is where we are now than whatever you want them to be if if you want the past to be noble in in this forgotten society it's noble if you want it to be monstrous it's monstrous whereas as you can make those judgments about our world but they by definition are more more hedged do you think that the society is often depicted as noble in post-apocalypse like in like in laputa laputa it's it's like this this is this was like a noble society but they and they he, he discovered this what this this incredible technology and that we, we we don't exactly know what led to their destruction we just know that they faded and that we now are not capable of handling what they have left behind like that that's a recurring thing yeah um but no i think i i, I do think that that is a different mode of, of engaging with stuff because it's almost the lord of the rings the dwarves dug dug too greedily and too deep and now there's just <laughs> a monster in that mountain don't go back yeah i i think like um John John's quite fond of um, Gargantia, and yep. uh, I think that's that's one where okay, you, you've you've cre- this this thing has happened, and now the whole whole world is like this big ocean where everyone fights, and and it's like there's this ancient technology, and it's it's been brought back, and oh well, <laughs> and then that then it's just an excuse to to basically have cool robots. <laughs> Well, that's that's every post-apocalyptic. I mean, that's how that's how Turn a Gundam is too. It's like, oh, people from the moon brought robots, so now we have robots in this in this Edwardian era. What I was forgetting, Ben, was uh, Escaflone. Oh, Escaflone. Yeah, yeah. The pre the precursors thing is is funny because like it does make what you're watching technically a post-apocalyptic show, but I think that there's ways that people interact with the ancient society when it's this unreachable, mm. unknowably powerful society. Um, it doesn't really allow us to kind of orient the personness of the characters within it. Um, which I think is often why you don't, why if the society was noble, it's a precursor society. And if the society was, was corrupt or decayed or decadent, then it's, then it is a post-apocalypse um, because there's the desire to recapture it and understand it versus the desire to distance oneself from it. Yeah. Like the, the the lowest end of this is the shows which where uh, the apocalypse is basically just an excuse that 
used to uh, reuse old technology because we mm. love old te- technology, which is is basically uh, the, the the mighty Kotobuki and and uh, such like, where it's just uh, no one has anything less but World War Two era Japanese planes. What a shame! I mean, to be fair, to be fair, they did go farther than most places. Of like, there's a guy who came through the portal where all the world, the water in the world drained to, um, and he and he taught us how to make Japanese planes, and then got and then he went back. So we haven't improved the technology in hundreds of years, but we still have it. Hey, isn't the one plane in YKK uh, zero? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's got some it's got some differences. It's broadly a zero, or at least a World War Two era. Like forty-one to forty, forty-three era Japanese plane. Yeah, I mean it's, it's it's close enough that anyone who sees that thinks it's a zero, and that and that's why it's it's to signify. And like, well, I sh- shall we take a break and then you talk about uh, the uh, OVA in which that zero up. Yeah, appears? yeah. Let's go. Let's go away, and we'll come back, and we will talk about owning a failing coffee shop in the post-apocalypse. <laughs> I also can't believe none of you motherfuckers have mentioned Doctor Stone, the best post-apocalyptic manga in the whole fucking world. That's that's on that's on. Uh, is Doctor Stone? Po- would you, Andy? All seriousness, do you think that Doctor Stone presents a positive vision of humanity after the apocalypse? Yeah, I think it does. I think. Yeah, I you think, think so. You think that it, it believes in like progress and knowledge and stuff, and that means. It's- it believes those are good in, things. In, in, in fairness to Andy Ben, they are loving it. <laughs> it's like they, they do seem to be having a, a good time. Well, that's a, that's Shonen shows. People love everything they do in Shonen shows. <laughs> is it baking? Is it being on a train? Is it what is it? Is it, it rediscovering size? Is it rediscovering size projects which could also help them somehow live? Like, is yeah. it trying to turn people into stone and then back out of stone again to cure them of lethal illnesses? <laughs> Oh, it's great. Well, this has been our this has been our weekly stone hour. <laughs> Andy says watch Dr. Stone. Duncan is tactfully silent. <laughs> Very tactfully. <laughs> All right. See you in a bit, guys. Yeah. See you in a bizzle. Positive post post apocalypse. Ah, let's, let's start that again. Let me just say. Let me <laughs> yes. just say. Which one's that? Brexit. Better joke. <laughs> <laughs> which one's that? The capital riot. <laughs> yeah. Which one's that? Trump. So, which one's <laughs> that? The Amazon fires. <laughs> which? Or is Australia on fire? <laughs> or is it the Suez Canal getting Which one's blocked? that? Go- yeah. Global There's warming. <laughs> So as the as the world <laughs> burns around us, as the uh, world burns. And we're back, as promised. We're basically continuing our conversation from the first <laughs> half by talking about uh, Yokohama Kaidashi Kiko and Yokohama Kaidashi Kiko Quiet Country Cafe OVAs from 1998. And 2002, I believe they're by the same studio, but they have different different uh, lead staff on them. Yeah. Um, I've had these downloaded for a long time, planning to watch them, um, because I don't think they're in print or available, so I don't feel bad <laughs> admitting to uh, my, my crimes and misdemeanors. But I never watched them because... I don't know. I don't know why I never watched them. I guess because if you ask me, are you in the mood for a healing anime? Unless it's Andy just raving nonstop about non non Biori, I don't get around to it. <laughs> so, uh, but you've but, watched um, non non Biori, right? Yeah. I have watched non non Biori. <laughs> I'm I'm committed to to that uh, media ecosystem. But in terms of Yokohama Yokohama Kaidashi Kiko, um. I was really impressed by the first by the first two episodes. They have this really austere, spare look. They are deeply unafraid of silence, as when Duncan alluded to. Just like she has a day where she's just kind of spacing out and can't seem to focus, and she like burns the beans, but then she grinds me, which is oh, it's not that bad. And then she has her cup of coffee and like looks out the window, and then realizes that she's like dozed off or like zoned out for like an hour. There is a there is a true core of peace to the first two episodes that I absolutely adore. 
Um, there's a love of silence, even just when she gets struck by lightning and she's in the hospital, like slowly being healed by a doctor who seems pretty, pretty fucking chuffed to be fixing an Android after all these years. Um, I don't know. I found, I found it like almost spiritually quiet and, and peaceful. And I really liked it. And then the second two episodes from the other OVA four years later, introduced a lot of noisy characters and a lot of, a lot of business and also the art style is much worse. Yeah. I think yeah. what we're I think what we're seeing there is a transition from from hand paint to digi paint and so much is lost. Andy can fight me on this or not, I don't know, but mm-hmm. never yeah, seen it's it. just The that, only time so, I've seen yeah. it is I think I've mentioned this before is on Future Funk like YouTube playlists where they really love that anime just cuz like you said it evokes peace and calm and uh, it sounds like my jam I just never got around to actually watching it. Yeah, I mean the the first the first two episodes are genuinely just like her running a cafe. There's no real adventures at all. It's just that there's a storm, or that there's a, a messenger that comes by and she answers the door and she's like, "Oh, it's been so long since someone's actually come to my cafe." Mm-hmm. Um, and her like dealing with you, you said that we that we like have this presence of the owner looming over, but I think it's fairly obvious from like the third or fourth time that he's brought up that he's not ever coming yeah. back functionally mm-hmm. like he there there is the there is the there is the nicety that he's given this android care of his cafe and that he's traveling the traveling the country and he's going to come back and take it back over and she plays fully into that that like oh i'm just the steward of this but it seems very obvious that she's going to run this cafe until she gets bored and leaves or breaks down and effect, effectively dies and he sends her these letters he sends her this camera which she which she starts out very enthusiastically taking pictures of, but eventually she like it becomes too precious to her because she's afraid of running out of pictures, even though she has hundreds left. Mm. Um, and I feel like that kind of is the is her relationship with the cafe in a nutshell. And in the the second pair of OVAs, like the cafe park gets destroyed in a thunderstorm, and she like runs it a bit as like an open air cafe, and then just leaves it behind, and we don't know where it goes. And obviously, it goes somewhere because there there are dozens more volumes of manga mm-hmm. um, that still exist. And I wish they would make, although they probably wouldn't be as good, uh, because see, see, aforesaid uh, hand hand painted to digi paint transition. But I don't know. I I don't have any coherent thoughts. I just really like the tone on this. It reminds me a lot of Nia Under Seven, but without Nia Under Seven's like crushing pessimism, because <laughs> the main character in Nia Under Seven is drowning in undiagnosed depression. Just absolutely, like she is someone who you as a person would check in on every so often because she's not doing well. She doesn't know she's not doing well, but she's definitely not doing well. And someday that might come down on her uh, like a pile of bricks. Um, but Alpha, Alpha, the uh, android running the cafe in, in, in uh, Yokohama Kaidashikiko, uh, is basically fulfilled. She's basically, she's living her best life. It involves like driving her scooter by the gas station and telling the old man who looks like a refugee from Oedo Rocket with his <laughs> massive fixed smile all the time. Um, just saying a hi to him, running errands, making coffee every single day for no one who ever comes. I don't know. It it captures an ideal that I think is some, some of the finest emotional texture that you can't really find outside of anime. Mm-hmm. Nothing has this sort of like weird, idyllic summer break, but summer break forever than anime does i mean it yeah. feels like if anything was gonna get a in this current climate of healing anime being the the norm if anything was ever gonna get a reboost it feels like this anime would be it right like it's about time it got a bit of a whole season <laughs> yeah i think unfortunately it's just the fact is just that there are no currently currently being written volumes for them to incentivize incentivize manga sales by making an anime if they made like a if they made a beautiful like 25th anniversary edition and then made an anime to to sell it which is the best we can hope for Mm -hmm. and i'm not gonna hope for it because (laughs) on my wavelength now that's what i was exactly thinking like yeah 25th anniversary beautiful hardbound set of of the mangas and also hey there's an anime and we're adapting like three of people's favorite chapters from from (laughs) this which is going to be uh voted in by postal vote and then yeah. you can only watch it if you buy the complete box set. There's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be a pack in yeah. pack in manga OVA. OVA. <laughs> uh, 
thank you for taking me from the best of anime, Andy, to the worst of anime. <laughs> just the, the complete, the complete bullshit, bullshit I mean, economics of making anime. Talking about the best of anime, the worst of anime. I guess we should uh, briefly mention the uh, Miss Kobayashi uh, made yes. <laughs> uh, shorts, which have been airing this season. Uh, much to my confusion, I may add, because I thought this was the second season that we were so long uh, in the two. You probably were pretty surprised then when they took thirty, when it's like the episode's thirty seconds long. <laughs> yeah. You're like, hey, what happened? And then like half Did my of computer it, break. Half of it is a weird CG opening where I'm just like, what? God, yeah. I kind of, I kind of like the CG openings. I like, I like that. I, I, yeah. I like that she, I, I like yeah. that she has fangs. Yeah. I like that she's always doing something really boring, and then she tries to make Miss Kobayashi join in, yeah. and she's always like, no, fuck no, I'm not gonna do your like we fit bullshit with you sorry i yeah I, it captures the it captures the energy of the show it does it does i it's one of those things in which it's so clearly a taster for season two to remind you what it is about kobayashi's dragon maid that you so fucking love um mm-hmm. and i really i don't think there's much to say apart from hey if you like miss kobayashi's dragon maid and you don't want to get into the weird massive boob lolly dragon that's coming up in the next season like this is your perfect taste. <laughs> do you think they're going to keep it out? Do you think they're going to keep her out of the the minis? I think we're going to get a was it was name Quaddle Quetzalcoatl whatever her yeah Quetzalcoatl yeah I maybe maybe I hadn't really considered it. Some people love her presumably because she keeps showing up. <laughs> she's got massive tits and she's like well, yeah, yeah yeah I I hope they don't I hope they keep it out I think it would be hard to introduce a character like her. Uh, in a basically a two-minute short OVA, which is bookended by uh, ending and opening sequences that are longer than the actual skit in the middle. Yeah. Um, and they're even, very proud of that of that pixel art dragon flying scene. Which, granted, it's good. It is good. Probably better objectively than <laughs> than the opening bit. But um, but I think that I think that why we have these why we have these minis is because. Uh, by the unfortunate nature of who died in the Kyoani fire, it's got a largely different staff. And so I think they're releasing these minis to show that they know how to make dragon made stories in a very low investment way so yeah. that people will not drop out. Cause like, Oh, the director, the director for the first season has passed away. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. going to see the second season. They can't recapture it. I think that they're trying to get buy-in by like having these extremely cute, a lot of them extremely funny, has anyone watched the, watched the latest one? Uh, Extremely funny moments. The latest one where uh, where the 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 dude dragon who's a gamer now goes to a meetup of his guild and right. gets really gets really annoyed and offended that they that they're like, oh, of course you're Oyama, and he's like, what are you talking <laughs> about? And it's like <laughs> he's really he's like really like bothered that they don't look like their characters in the game, <laughs> even though he doesn't look like it's it feels very real i don't know i duncan has a lot more of like long-standing mmo guild experience Mm -hmm. you've probably met people in game and then been disappointed when you met them in real life that's only happened to me once or twice but he he's uh, his like descent into into becoming a a gamer through a dark souls analog then to like mmos and just like becoming this this the a dragon who loot chases basically is just just like <laughs> perfect. It's like if it's, it's saying like okay, if Smog existed, loot boxes would be his bane. Basically, yeah. it's just. I mean, that's that's to reach back briefly to us talking about like dead societies or dead cultures in with like eccentric family or dying cultures with eccentric family in Pompoko. I do like the idea that like a dragon these days would just be would just be like so over invested in genshin impact like that's all he does that's all he does is just collect collect five star characters and like rare skins but i haven't got clear and then no one cares because <laughs> so he doesn't have to worry about people like bilbo baggins coming in and stealing all his shit because no one cares like if you've got all the best characters in genshin impact or maybe someone does someone definitely does someone though. probably does yeah uh, i i would say that on average it's pretty good but I, I was also wondering like do you think that's a genuine worry that like you know, the director's gone, the staff's gone, like everything's going to be different for the second season of Dragon Maid? I think there are some people, I think they are ultimately my people, <laughs> the like the production notes heads, who are like, well, this was great. That director and that script writer and even that studio are no longer associated with the project. It's going to be bad. And so I think release, this is entirely my guessing listeners, so, so don't like, 
don't repeat this at a party when we have parties again. Uh, unless I'm right, in which case you should be telling everybody to listen to Keyframes, <laughs> a podcast about anime. But I think that there are some people, they're trying to forestall that prejudgment with something that's not have the same profile. Like, a lot of people do not tune into these, like, micro OVAs released on, like, on web on webisodes. And so just by word of mouth, they can hear that the webisodes are going well, and that will that will just introduce doubt in their head so they won't be talking as much shit about <laughs> about the next season of Dragon Maid based on its production credits. Um, I'm confident that KyoAnnie has enough of an in-house style, presumably yeah. even after the fire, that I would not be worried. I mean, hell, what was it that... Didn't Lucky Star change directors like like 3N or something? Presumably. I, um, I would tell you about that. I don't know. I'll be... Like, yeah. This is the thing. Like, I... I like the way that Kyoani works and the way that Kyoani is sort of like so it doesn't like sure there's a lead director and a lead scriptwriter, but the way that they so freely share their sort of like skills and their knowledge base, like I'll be shocked. As well as sort of just like their overall high level of production, I'll be shocked if they were like, Well, we've just gotta give it to an inferior staff and you're just gonna to have to deal with it. Like I'll be shocked if that's what they decided to do. Like there's no way that season two's gonna be bad. The only way that season two's gonna be bad is by this admittedly worrying, like big boob lolly dragon that's gonna come in and like potentially destroy everything. But I could also be wrong on that in the fact that you've already got some questionable characters in Dragon Maid already. <laughs> <laughs> to put it mildly. <laughs> Um, so maybe I shouldn't worry about one more. Because uh, at the end of the day, like, the found family sort of ethos that Kobayashi's Dragon Maid has is still very much there in the shorts. And that was really, like, as well as sort of, like, the Yuri sort of feeling of maybe, like, uh, like, a, not a, a straight, like, you know, heteronormative couple. And not even sort of, like... I wouldn't even call it pansexual. I don't even know what you'd consider like a woman and a <laughs> dragon girl sort of slowly falling in love and wanting to be in a family with another dragon who's also like not even related to them. Like a found family. But she's a, a baby. Close... But she's a baby. But she's a baby. A found family. Got that classic to... fat little, fat little Kyoani uh, <laughs> ankles for, yeah. for a baby dragon. <laughs> but like. But yes, found family. Found family sort of vibe that. Uh, sort of really, again, really runs true with the LGBTQ plus community, especially if you're considering like drag race families. Like uh, the the found family vibe of it all was really what pulled that show along and really what at the end, you're like, okay, these are people who love and care for each other more than maybe a real domestic family ever could. Um, and it would be shocking if they managed to fuck that up in the second season because the ending of the first season was so beautiful. Like, he saw the mum... Her mum saw this dragon maid who loved her unconditionally. And I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was really wonderful. And I don't know why, how they could fuck up such a show. I mean, anything's possible. You know about, about One Punch Man season two, so... Yeah, like... but One Punch Man was a completely different studio. This is the same studio. So this is why I'm doubtful. People still get worried about that sort of stuff. Like, I That's mean, true. you know, the whole like, like Snyder cut bullshit where like apparently Joss Whedon snuck on, uh, <laughs> snuck on, ruined the movie and then left. And Zack Snyder was like, oops. Oh, well. That, yeah. Fair point. Fair point. Um, I think the, inv- the inverse of what Ben says is, is also true. Like you might just decide, okay, we've got an entirely new crew on this. Why not just give them these little OVAs to get used to this? Like just to become familiar with the characters and get down their craft. It costs them nothing. And if, if it, well, it, it costs them something, obviously, but it gives them time to, to get used to drawing these characters to, to make it second nature before they're actually doing it for realsies, as it were. And that, it serves as promotional material as a bonus and so you get the best of both worlds you get a a fandom enthused you get a a crew who are more experienced with what they're working with and so it's it's a happy marriage yeah i I would agree with you there duncan like at the end of the day it's trying to get a um a company that's had a devastating blow in both talent and you know Mm -hmm. financial loss trying to get them back on their feet with a financially 
secure and sound IP that did them well. And I'm very excited for the second season. I loved the I love this mm-hmm. uh, shorts, these bunch of shorts that are coming out. Um, and I, as always, I think everybody here loves practically everything that KyoAni puts out. So I'm looking forward to it. Like clearly, they're, they're putting all their money and put riding, put riding the horse, putting their money on uh, Dragon Maid, and it's a successful venture. So good on them. I'm looking forward to seeing more. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, tune in next fortnight i guess i guess fortnite's dangerous (laughs) now tune in two weeks from now for our i mean it may not exist anymore after the court case tune in two weeks from now we're going to be having a discussion about beach episodes and hot springs episodes umida was the is the the subtitle of that uh and uh, remember rate and review subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your choice Find us on Twitter at KeyframesPod. Find us on Facebook. Search for Keyframes Podcast. Email us questions, keyframespodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what your favorite beach episode uh, or hot springs episode. <laughs> and, of course, tell a friend. Yeah, but I would say I'd say not just, just any friend, Ben. I'd, I'd say uh, tell, tell your friend who the last time went to a beach because you can't go to them anymore. Uh, and then on top of that, probably managed to get some very uh lucky erotic moment that happened when i don't know their friend <laughs> found a sea cucumber and it uh, it's no. up. <laughs> no. it's always Goodbye. sea cucumbers no <laughs> no no no, or not. no. Oh, don't tell anyone then that's what you no. want then. is that what you want possible <laughs> surrender to us no Let's go. Bye, everybody. Come back next week, please. Yeah, despite this. Go tell your friend about this one. (laughs) Don't tell your friend about this part. Tell your friend, tell your friend you're going to have, you're going to have a meetup for your MMO group because you both got vaccinated for coronavirus and then they end up not looking like what you envisioned about them based on their gear and class and their name. And then ask them what their feelings on sea cucumbers are. Well, that's your mistake for inviting Black Onyx Triple X to, to meet with you in person. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye.